Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Boob sauce, everybody. Boob sauce once again. The week marches on. Great opening to the week. Robert Stock with a great podcast. Thanks again to him for coming on the show. Uh, and number two, heading on into game six of the World Series, that would be a former Tampa Bay Ray, Christian Arroyo, a guy that Heim Bloom knew from Tampa Bay, was in the Evan Longoria trade, and now is playing for the Red Sox and picked up in the 2020 season. Not a lot of fanfare. A lot of people thought he was just another guy that Heim Bloom was taking a chance on. Yet, as we finish off the year, he probably is heading into 2021 as the favorite to be the starting second baseman. He impressed in his 14 games with the Red Sox. Well, he hit 240 with 736 OPS. But listen, he hit three home runs, played a very, very good defensive second base. And as you'll find out in this podcast, they might have found something here because you're hitting this guy at just the right time. Still only 25 years old. Had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. We talk a lot about that, about his progression. We talk about playing in Tampa, the difference, how different it is playing in Tampa. He is from Tampa. He bought Tampa Bay Buccaneers season tickets. He had a poster of the guy that he was traded for, Everett Longoria, on his wall as a kid. So there's a lot to get to. Most importantly, how he views his chance, his big chance of being the starting second baseman for the Red Sox. He's a good guy to have on with everything that's going on in the World Series. People try to figure out the Red Sox roster and so forth and so on. And most importantly, he's an entertaining guy, good guy to have on. All right, Christian Arroyo. All right, I'm honored to have Christian Arroyo on. And um, Christian, did you sprint out of Boston? Or were you, were you like, hey, let me, let, me, let me hang out here a little bit longer, soak in the <laughs> – Soak in the scene. I mean, you you didn't have a, yeah. a lot, a big sample size, but Mm-mm. but it seemed like you were having fun. <laughs> you were the one yeah. having fun. Yeah, I was trying to. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're playing a game for a living, and it's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. You know, you gotta have fun. So well, well, uh, was, you know. well, welcome. I should I should know welcome and and thank I you. Should, I should also note that uh, one of these nice T-shirts are on the way. So, oh heck yeah! Yeah, all right. So, cool. so, so um, if you a few more appearances and you'll be in Hall of Fame consideration. We just inducted Daniel Bard and Brian Johnson in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Joe oh, Kelly, nice. Travis Shaw, David Ross are already in. Mookie awesome. was on the verge, but he gave his T-shirt away to uh, Brian, the translator, so <laughs> he was elim- eliminated. Um, so, uh, so, but. Listen, you're on your way, and I appreciate you joining. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Um, so before I forget, because I know I will forget, mm-hmm. tell me about – tell me how the, the – it wasn't a shopping cart. It was uh, – you get when you hit the home run. The lo- you, uh, yeah, so, so – because cause this is the thing, Christian, is that we don't – the way the media worked this year, like little things mm-hmm. like that, like we didn't really have a chance to walk up to you in the locker room and say, Hey, tell yeah, me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I know it's a, it's, it's sort of a bizarre way to start, but it's on the top of my head. And yeah. 
And so you hit a home run, and then you were next thing you know, you're being wheeled through the dugout in the it was a laundry cart, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it basically started in Tampa. Um, in the dugouts, I mean, they're a little they're a little narrow, and uh, because of the whole COVID stuff and all the guidelines and whatnot, they were trying to get it to where uh, you know if you use a towel or something um, to just toss the towel in uh, in like a laundry basket cart type thing. Um, so some of the guys, you know, because you don't really think about this stuff when you're playing. You use a towel, you wipe your face, throw it in. You know, you're not thinking, all right, let me go throw it, walk down in the dugout, throw it in the, throw it in the laundry cart, and then whatever. So uh, it was funny, actually, Tech was at the end of the dugout uh, just watching the game, you know, taking his notes, taking in the game. And Tech turns around and goes, what is this thing? And why there was nothing in it. He turns around, what is this thing, and why is it in the dugout? And everyone was like, we don't, we don't know because it took it took up like the last probably two or three spots at the end of the dugout and uh we have a couple guys on the team that they like to put their stuff I know infielders we put our gloves down there and stuff so it was just kind of in the way it always seemed like it was in the way um so tech finally looked at and said we gotta get this thing out of here so we're rolling it it's funny we roll it down to the end of the dugout towards the stairs where the opening is toward back up to the clubhouse someone picks it up puts it down there and it was Plawecki and Tech kind of together. We're just like, someone it's a homer. Let's throw them in the let's throw them in the uh, in the launching cart. See how it goes. You know, I mean, use it for something. So uh, it was the uh, it was the day day game. Yeah, it was the day game against the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa on Sunday. And uh, Vasky gets up and hits a bomb off Morton, I believe, and. As he's rounding, rounding the plate, or he's rounding third, uh, I saw Pawecki kind of look at him and start pointing at him because uh, we said today whoever hits, the first, whoever hits the first homer after we do it, you're going in the cart. So we didn't know if uh, Vasquez was going to go in or not. We, 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 we honestly, it was like a coin toss, and Vasquez was cool about it. You know, he's smiling, and we're like, get in the cart, get in the cart. So he gets down there, and he started laughing, all right, whatever, gets him in the cart did our little tunnel time thing. And then it just kind of became a thing where guys would just find a cart, hit a homer and find a cart. And but that's the it, thing so. is that, so you said that the first time you did it was in Tampa, right? That was mm-hmm. in Tampa. So yeah. I don't know if the, anyone picked up on it, honestly, then I don't remember. Like what I remember is yeah. you, I think like mm-hmm. that was when it gained steam when they put you in it. And that was yeah. at Fenway. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – I know I, the one uh, – we were playing the Yankees, and that one was there. I think it was just because, you know, it was prior into the season, you know, I was finally having fun again playing baseball. And when I got in it, you know, it's a, it's a good thing when you're in the cart, you know. And so I kind of – I messed with it. I tried to get my hands in there. I tried to get excited and stuff. And it was fun, you know. It was just fun to be a part of it and, uh, you know, celebrate something like that because it's hard to hit homers in the big leagues. And, you know, at the time we were struggling. It was – it was, it was rough for us at the time. We were just trying to find ways to still have fun and, can, and keep competing. So, um, you know, it took, took a rougher time and just try to have some fun with it and take the positives out of what we were doing and then uh, kind of go from there. So, but, but, you know, so that's the thing, Christian, is that, you know, going through this season, it was like it was the most sort of morbid month and a half that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know yeah. – for media, we would go up to the press box, you know, and you watch and 
and it just you know you guys you know let's be honest it was getting waxed a lot and and mm -hmm. and then but then you get to the last couple of weeks and it was sort of like mm -hmm. that moment like that mm -hmm. laundry cart moment like oh my yeah. goodness what a second they're actually having fun because every single thing before sort of yeah. seemed forced i gotta be honest like it was yeah uh, and when you're losing like it's like you can't make up like having fun right yeah, but, no, for sure. But you said that you finally felt like you were having fun. I mean, it's mm. did that is that like not only for you personally, but for the team, it's like, okay, you know, yeah. that last couple of weeks probably were like, Yay, baseball, yeah. fun again. Yeah, exactly. No, I you know, I think I think over the course of a full season it, it just happens, you know. The best teams in baseball, they go through stretches where, you know, you get you you get you get hit or hit around a little bit, you get beat around a little bit and and uh, I think you have to just dig deep down and just understand, like, you know, it doesn't go the way you wanted to, but I think that there's always, there's always positives to take out of bad times. And uh, what we wanted to do was right around that, that time, right around that Tampa time, you know, we were, started playing pretty good baseball. I mean, we split with Tampa, went down to Miami, which was a playoff team. We took two or three from Miami, came back home. Uh, I think we – I can't remember – I think we lost – yeah, we we lost two to the Yankees, but the last game we beat them pretty good. And then the first two games, I mean, we had a chance to win the first game. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where we started playing better baseball, but I think guys were just kind of – you know, it was getting towards the end of the season, and they were like, man, this has been such a crappy year, not even from the standpoint of performance and this and that and the whole COVID thing and stuff. And it just starts to wear on guys mentally and physically. But – um, I think at that point, you know, you just kind of have to just say, hey, we're 40 games in. It's not really going to, you know, this is it. You know, I mean, it's no, there's not going to be fans in the stands. We're, we're going to have to get, abide by these guidelines and we're going to be stuck in the hotel. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be weird. And I think that uh, after we kind of hit that turning point, we started having fun as a group. And, you know, there were a lot of things, you have Bobby coming up and setting that, record for right. a rookie hitting a homer in six straight you know, there's little things like that it well was also like, the pitching you know, you know let's be honest you know you're going mm -hmm. through that time like yeah. miami like you know the the biggest problem there was a few mm -hmm. problems but the biggest problem is that you just need pitching you need to stay in games mm -hmm. and when tanner yeah. goes out and does what he did for yeah. like those three starts right that was yeah. like that was the, at least from the outside that was sort of a bolt and then oh, yeah. sort of does it a couple times and that yeah. was another thing i mean i don't know if that was part of the deal too no it was i think it was just you know getting to see uh it's always fun when you see guys that new faces that are either rookies like tanner and like bobby and uh you also get to see guys that uh you know so we had some minor league journeymen got to see uh you know some some uh some got to see domingo tapia go in there and start hitting 100 miles an hour and stuff so yeah, he but he's gone now he's, he's yeah i heard with yeah, R.I.P. Domingo Tapia. Yeah, but you know Sorry. it was just it was just little things like that, you know, and it's uh, you just try to find the joyous times and the tough times, and like you said, I mean, getting to watch Tanner throw three times was awesome. You know, yeah. it's 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 a it's a guy that comes in and does what he needs to do on his start days and always keeps you in a game. So uh, you know, and I mean, obviously the injuries, um, it's 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 tough. Baseball's tough, and uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but this year it was more of a sprint. So 
but you were one of the guys like you were one of the you talk mm-hmm. about it's nice to see new guys do well yeah and yeah. and um you come in and you do well and i think like you know i had mentioned how can i mention pavetta but you and we had no doll back but you know one of, you were one of these guys and and you mm-hmm. know you don't have to like admit it or say anything or whatever i'm just telling mm-hmm. you like this was one of the bits of optimism which is yeah. hey wait a second like you there was a couple of games where you were flying all over the place <laughs> and around here i know that yeah. you had some i think you had some friends or relatives in new england area or something yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. but around here it wasn't like you know like the, all we knew was heim was blowing it bringing in a bunch of guys one guy yeah. after the other but then Absolutely. when when someone like yourself like gives the impression that you did, like mm-hmm. that's a cool thing. I mean, it's cool for yeah, you, no, obviously, because you sure. want to do well. But mm-hmm. so yeah, no, I no, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, I think uh, in Heim's first full season, um, I had the chance to to meet Heim in Tampa, uh, and uh, you know, I just kind of had seen even from a little bit of time that we had spent around each other those two years, I just seen that. Uh, him and then also obviously everyone he was working with in the race for an office they just they're good at bringing guys in that uh you know maybe you're in a situation where they're not going to get the chance to play as much or um you know getting guys and getting them a chance to get opportunities for me it was it, it stunk for me because you know I had a couple of years there where uh I was just I was hurt I mean that's the bottom line and 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 what was wrong with camp, you I had a couple of things going on um it all started in 17 I broke my hand uh, now, people, people, circles. not to interrupt, people should know you were traded from San Francisco where you were the to first Tampa. round draft pick and you were traded mm-hmm. in the Evan Longoria trade to Tampa. So, yep. sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so, when I got traded over, uh, you know, I was right after my second, I believe my second hand surgery. My second surgery was in November. I got traded like six weeks after. Um, and that was just a rough, it was a rough off season. Um, I couldn't really workout couldn't get a regimen going I wasn't even cleared to start running until like the second week of January so um I had come in to spring training um I was I just wasn't able to get prepared I didn't have a short off season a weird off season uh the whole surgery getting traded a lot of first and uh that whole next year I mean it just bad luck after bad luck I had a little bit of a calf issue came back and then ended up uh did a little something in my oblique, nothing crazy. And that was the thing. It wasn't anything that was just major. It was just like two weeks and then take off, you know, you get hurt and then you're, you're off for two weeks and you come back, try to play. And it just could never get my rhythm going. And I'm getting hit in the head. Um, that was kind of the, it's kind of nail in the coffin. I just, I was like, man, this is just a tough year. Um, and then going into 19, I felt really good. I felt healthy. And just, again, had a kind of a freak play. Got, got my feet crossed up on a play down the line and made a cross throw across the infield and elbow tightened up a little bit, but it was nothing crazy. It just was one of those things where I tried to rehab back from it and it didn't respond the way I wanted it to. So um, those two years, it was tough because I just wanted to play and I just wanted the opportunity to go out there and prove myself. And um, lucky enough, I was able to stay on the field uh, when I got to Boston and, you know, give a little insight as to uh, my abilities and, what I've been working on and uh, obviously there's always there's always uh, areas to improve on and that's just one of the things that taking to the offseason is just how how I'm going to make myself as, as good as I could possibly go into next season well think about it it's like you so you um you 
when you get to Tampa, or you're in Tampa for those two years, that's mm-hmm. your like, here I come. You're what, 23 mm-hmm. years old, right? Yep. Probably. Yeah, I was, yeah, 20, 22, 22, right, 22 22, yeah. 23. All right. You know, you, you, you were, you know, what year were you drafted? What, what year was that? 13. 13. First round pick, 13. Go through the Giants organization. Part of a, a big trade with Longoria. There's a reason why they target you. You come in. You're, this is 22, 23 years old. Now you're ready. And the evolution, if you're healthy, would be sort of along the lines of what I, I would imagine what we saw in the last month with the Red Sox. But, you know, mm. you can't help not being healthy. But this, yeah. is, this is where the Red Sox maybe are, are in high and blue, maybe like, yes, we hit a sweet spot with Christian Arroyo here. Yeah. yeah. Because, because, we, because he also knew, probably knew what you were going through in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, for sure. For sure. You know, we had, I had, I had conversations with Haim when I was in Tampa and I had a conversation with him when I came to Boston, you know, and uh, one of the things he always said is he's always said, even from the first time that we had traded for you in Tampa, is like, we always knew that you had the potential and you had that everyday player ability. We just, it's, he, this was at the end of our end of the season, you know, it just kind of was like a, Hey, it was like a, Hey, we see we saw some things this year where you were starting to realize your potential and that's really exciting and you know I felt that way because getting the chance to work with with Tim and with Pete our hitting guys it was just like they kind of helped me get to that point in the box where I felt like a hitter again um, instead of just coming to the big leagues and just trying to grind out at bats and just trying to get hits in here and here I like I went up with a plan and we had a very specific routine as to how I was going to get prepared to face high level pitching every day and always and be comfortable as for as long as I could be and then on the defensive side you know I mean it's just you got Fabe and you got Ramon who are helping me every single day and obviously this was a situation where I was playing a lot of third even last year and then I was always comfortable I told him I said listen I'm comfortable playing second base I played it you know when I was in 2014 in low, I played it the entire year, switched back to short, but I'm comfortable playing second. And they were like, all right, you know, and every day it was like, hey, let's work on this. Let's do some turns. Let's do this and this. So, um, you know, just getting the chance to work with people that were trying to, hey, put me in a position to be really successful. I mean, everyone was always, is always trying to put people in a position to be successful. But um, then when you see that immediate gratification of it paying off and, like in the game, you know, like, oh, I was working on that today. Bam, here's a double play, a little backhanded feed, and it's a nice, smooth 4-6-3 double play, or it's a sick turn from from Bogey or from Rafi. You know, that stuff's gratifying. And then when you're working in the cage and you're like, wow, that feels good, that's a barrel, that's a barrel. Then you get in the game, and it doesn't matter who you're facing, and you're like, wow, I feel really good. I saw that pitch. And then you take a swing, you're like, all right, I'm feeling good. You start building confidence. And, uh, you know, for me this year – I think that just getting a chance to know I was going to be playing every single day and in that lineup where whether I've had a bad game or a rough game or a tough go at it or if I had a really good game, you know, I think that that helped a lot. But, uh, but yeah, it was exciting, man. It was so fun. Um, yeah. Well, that's – I mean, so you have the, I guess, an exit interview. I mean, and you have a, like an exit mm-hmm. interview with like Haim or yeah. whoever. And yeah. um, that must have been like one of the coolest exit interviews you've ever had because – you know, without being, without being in that room, I would imagine they said, hey, listen, we don't have a second baseman. You're hmm. a second baseman. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and so here's – and you played very, very well. We saw all yeah. the good that you bring. We mm-hmm. think that you're going to only continue to get better. 
yeah. go get them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. No, and, that, and that, you meet the nail on the head. I mean, that's just – there's some things in baseball that, you know, the thing I had to learn at a young age, which I'm actually very blessed to have learned at a young age, is that it's so easy when you're with your first, first organization, you debut with them, everything is always just butterflies and sunflowers and dandelions. It's, there's nothing that can go wrong. Even when you're struggling, you're like, yeah, I'm still home, I'm comfortable. And then when I got traded for the first time, you know, I realized it was, it was a business. And I think now understanding the business side of it, I, I've been able to separate that from the playing side because you just play and you have fun. You play the game and you let the business side take care of itself. You know, it's uh, there's just been times where sometimes, I mean, I think every player gets caught up in the business side of it, you know, and it's the thing is, is you can't control that. You know, the, what you can control is your effort level. You can control the quality of the teammate you are, you can control how hard you work. You can control all those things. And once you get to that game and you get between those lines, you just got to trust that everything that you did before it is, it puts you in a place to be at the highest level and you're at the highest level for a reason. And I think once, you know, I started to realize that when I was in Boston and I was really going in with a mindset and I was getting my work done before the game. And then the game, I was just relaxing and just playing and, you know, it started coming together. It was fun. You watched Pedroia, the kid? Oh, yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. I mean, he was one of my – so he was one of those guys because I grew up a Tampa Bay Rays fan. So, you know, getting to grow up, I, was, I used to love watching the Red Sox coming to town. I used to love watching the Yankees coming to town. Did you have a cowbell? Nice because... Did you have a cowbell? No, I didn't. I didn't. Good for you. I did have a Ray – I had a Ray Hawk in 08, though, because the guy who was cutting the hair for the Rays – just so happened to live and cut the hair. He was his son actually went to our high school. So he actually cut up our entire team with the Ray Hawk is what they were calling it, uh, which was like that faux Hawk thing. So he ended up cutting us all up the same time, or this was a couple of years later, obviously, but this was two years, I think after they went to the world series, we were going in the regional semifinals or something. And we all got cut up. We thought we were so cool. We weren't. Uh, did, so, we weren't. did you go? Did you go to any of those Red Sox uh, Rays games in two thousand eight? That series? No, no, I didn't get a chance to. I, regular season, I did. Regular did. season, I went. I I loved going. I, I loved going to regular season games. I love watching Majora play. Um, I think he's the true epitome of just a just a hard just a hard working just a grinder. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. I'm a Hall of Fame caliber player. Just getting to watch him play every day, and obviously. People always saying, "Oh, he's undersized. He can't do this." But it's like I don't care about size. I care about I care about what's in a man's chest, and that's his heart. And he obviously had. You sound, you sound like the joy. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> no, that's good. Of, yeah, for sure. I think it's just one of the things, though, you know. And I think that he he was the true epitome of it at the time. And it was just like getting to watch that guy play. It's it's. I was supposed to go to the University of Florida and. Uh, um, Weitzel was the guy who recruited me and that Pedroia was his favorite player. And he said, he's just like, you can't teach, you can't teach gritty. You know, you either, you like, you either like getting your uniform dirty or you don't. And, you know, I think that was one of the, that was one of the guys that I love to watch play just because he always played the game the right way, you know? And I think that that's uh this game should be played a certain way. I think the heart, you know, as hard as you can, because, uh, I think over the last couple of years, you just realize, you know, it's it's going to end one day, and I just want to give it all out on the field, as you know, whenever I'm on there. So, 
I might as well play that way. So whose poster did you have on the wall? Now, it's understandable if you didn't have Pedroia because you were Tampa Bay yeah. Rays. So do you have yeah. like the Julio Lugo poster or the? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I had a, uh, I actually had a, uh, I had, I had a Longo one and Carl Crawford. That's crazy, man. Pro- like that's, that's cra- like, like the fact that like, the, I mean, maybe I'm overreacting, but you mm-hmm. know, the fact that you were traded for the guy that you had a poster of. So it was funny as I was actually, I was, I was telling someone the story the other day, um, so the first year, the first time I got back to San Francisco uh, was 2000, it was last year, 2019. We started off our road trip in San Francisco. I was on the road trip and I was starting at third. And I just remember running out to center field and I saw Longo over there wearing number 10. That was the weirdest thing. But obviously, I'm used to, you know, Longo wearing three. And he was wearing number 10. And uh, he kind of looked at me and gave me one of the little – head nods, whatever. We met up in center field, shook his hand. Cause I had never really talked to him before. Um, I said, Hey man, I said, Does, and I, I didn't know what to say to him, you know, because again, he was one of my favorite players growing up. So I didn't know like, Hey man, you were one of my favorite players ever. Or, like, so, so, you know, I'm wishing you much success here. I didn't really know what to say. I kind of froze and he's just like, I know, man, it's weird. I know. I said, it's weird for, I said, it's weird for me too. And I'm like, dude, I told him, I said, it's just not right seeing you in anything, but a raised uniform, you know, and he's, we kind of laughed about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those weird, those weird moments. Like you said, you know, you grow up watching a guy and he's one of your favorite players. You get traded for him. And then it's like, you know, so I had mixed emotions when it happened. As, I, I, as a player, I was excited because I was coming home to Tampa or whatever. And, yeah exciting young team but as a fan I was like why would you do this you know so <laughs> it was funny but, oh man you know. like, why? Yeah. I, I do not accept this trade that I'm in the yeah, middle of exactly exactly I'm like no this is not fair no. so yeah it was uh I don't know it was crazy but uh just one of those learning moments you know was, and, well like uh, you said business uh, business of baseball right I mean it's talking so when you went to Tampa, like, so where did you grow Like, you were – obviously, you were clo- You grew up in that area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I grew up on the other, other side of the bridge. On the bridge, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so the trap, obviously, is in St. Pete, um, right over the Howard Franklin Bridge. Kind of separates – it's the – consider the entire Tampa Bay area. Um, but over the bridge is the city of Tampa. Uh, so I grew up probably probably a 25-minute drive from the trap. Okay. Uh, it's called West Chase, West Chase area. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up there until I was 12, and then I moved out to Hernando County. Um, more farming out there, farmlands, country, woods kind of kind of area. So moved out there when I was 12, and now I'm back in Wesley Chapel, and that's uh, about 40 minutes from the trot. So, so, so yeah. when, you get to, when you get to the Rays organization, we hear a lot about it. Obviously, around here, we're hearing a lot about it because of Himes here and everything else like that. I knew um, – I've known Cashy since, you know, he played with the Red Sox. And, yeah. um, and you know, obviously you, he was the guy you were playing for him. How different mm-hmm. is it? Like, so, so, like, I would talk to – sit on the side and talk to Kevin, and he would point out little things that they do differently. For instance, like the, the front of the batting cage would be up. And they're like, yeah, we're trying that out. So, because, you know, we want the guys to swing up. 
and, mm -hmm. you know, not hit the top of the yeah. batting cage. I'm like, oh, that makes yeah, some yeah. sense. So how yeah. different is it playing in that organization? Um, hmm. Or is it different? I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it is. It definitely is. And, uh, you know, they're, they're fully bought into uh, and invested into, like, the sports science stuff, the KVS stuff which measures you know the efficiency of your movements with your hips and with your arms and this stuff so uh from the sports analytics side they're definitely fully invested which understandable i mean when you're when when their payroll is lower you know they try to build from within and with their with their younger guys it's you got to have a really good uh, player development system and i think that they utilize it pretty well um it was different though taking bp like you said that we did that we did we our our front of our cage was I mean, I've never really seen many guys do it, but you see guys. I don't think like anyone else has done it. I don't think yeah. anyone else does it. So, so we did that. Uh, when I was over there, we had uh, we would have. I mean, they would call it, it the, the the basic term is launch angle BP. I mean, that's kind of what they would what they would call it. But they would put screens across the infield, uh, probably shoot 15, 20 foot screens, and it was just hit them over the screen, hit line drive, hard line drives over the screen. Um, taking BP with like a Rapsodo machine on the ground in front of you, trying to measure attack angles and, and launch angles and uh, exit velos and stuff off of that. Um, a lot of like the blast, uh, blast motion sensors on the end of the knobs that are measuring barrel efficiency, plane efficiencies and stuff. Uh, I just think there's so much technology. And with the Rays, I think that they're open to any and all of it um, because it, if they feel like it's going to give them an edge, I think this is true for every organization, but if they feel like something's going to give them an edge, then they're going to use it. Um, so it was definitely different coming from San Francisco, which we were more traditional. Um, we started using it a little bit, that kind of stuff, but uh, it was still kind of an old school mentality of, you know, just hit the ball hard, doubles, get on base, moving guys over, stuff like that. Did you and see then, some of the same stuff when you get to the Red Sox and it was only a short time? Yeah. No, no, we, I did for sure. I mean, uh, getting the chance to work with Tim and with Pete, um, you know, and even working in, in Paul Tuckett, you know, he, they, we were using blast sensors and stuff, but a lot of it, you know, using different, different, uh, I mean, what's the word? I mean, it's not, it's, it's different types of like drills that just, they're, they're kind of funky, but it's just to feel something and maybe it clicks and maybe it doesn't. So, um, you know, I think that everyone's kind of moving that way. I know Tim came from the Dodgers, so and I know the Dodgers are very into that stuff. And uh, he's even said he's brought he's brought that stuff up and said, you know, we've tried to do this and this and this, and we try to get this hip here, and then we breaking stuff down. Which to me, I've never, I, I again coming from the Giants, where it was very old school, um, I've never heard of any of this stuff. And I know now the Do uh, the Giants are doing it as well. I've talked to my buddies and said, you know you guys starting to get towards this. And I just think it's just baseball in general is kind of changing, especially the last couple of years. So um, it was definitely nice to see it. And it was definitely nice to understand the data instead of just seeing it and seeing a number and going, okay, well, my exit velo was high, but my launch angle was low. Let's try to hit it higher and harder. Well, you know, it's <laughs> maybe, maybe let's try to figure out how to reproduce a swing that can get us in that position to where we can efficiently, uh, efficiently, uh, or, or consistently stay in an efficient uh, stance or an, an efficient base or whatever you're trying to, whatever you're trying to chase to reproduce these numbers. So, um, you know, I think this, the, I think our, our hitting guys definitely have done a great job of using those numbers to our advantage and trying to get us to, you know, 
not really buy in, you know, I mean, if you, if you like them, you like them. If you don't, they're not going to, they're not going to force it down your throat, right. but they're going to let you know, like, Hey, this will, this might help you. So when you watch a, the, when you watch the Rays in the world series, what do you say if you were like saying, okay, you know, they're doing that really, really well, like sort of like maybe yeah. like from a perspective that you have and that I don't have yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. they're they're They really tried to do this well and they're really, yeah. really doing it well. And this is a reason why they are where they are. Well, I think one of the biggest things that they've done is they've played excellent defense. And that was one of the things we always pride ourselves on is in the playoffs. I mean, you saw that game four loss that, that the Dodgers had and that the Rays took the they, – they take game four because last play of the game, you kind of messed something up and uh, maybe fundamentals break down a little bit. I mean, it's the heat of the game. It's – you know, it's – I'm not in that situation. I didn't get to see the whole play unravel. I don't know what, what's going on through everyone's head. Um, but uh, I think they've played excellent defense. I think they obviously have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, so that always helps. Um, but uh, I know that they're they're good at they're good at looking at looking at their matchups, and I know Cash is good at uh, looking at who he thinks is who he feels like is going to be successful against this part of the lineup. And I think that uh, it also takes those guys and just understanding that they're all there to win, and that you know it's like hey, like not getting caught up in well, I was the closer at the, you know I was a closer right. all year this year. Like well, look you know, at look at last a, look at last night. I mean, they um, uh, mm-hmm. Troy. You know, he goes up to pinch hit, and then he gets called back. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is yeah. – at the end at the end of that sequence, like, Cash actually out – it didn't turn out this the, the result they wanted, but he actually outmanaged mm-hmm. Roberts because you yep. had these guys who were like, okay, I get it, you know. Like, in this case, it was yeah. like, I get it. Like, this – my role yeah. was to go up, you know, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, even when I was in Tampa um, – you know, they did a pretty good job of letting you know, like, ahead of time, like, hey, so-and-so is warming up in the pen. If this lefty comes in, be ready to hit. If the righty comes in, you'd be ready to hit. So you were really, you were prepared for it. Um, but I think that uh, – I think uh, – I don't know. I just think Cash has a really good understanding of his team. Yeah, I think he knows his players really, really well, and he knows how to put them in a situation uh, in which he thinks they're going to be successful. And, again, I think – half the equation is for is, is the player buying into it as well. You know, it's, it's tough for some guys to go into the minor leagues and playing every single day. And then they get up to the big leagues and then now, you know, they're coming off the bench in the fifth inning, you know, it's just, it's just weird. It's different sometimes, but once you buy into it, it's a little bit easier to adjust. And once you adjust, you know, and you realize you're in a situation like the world series where you can help a team win. I mean, Brett Phillips the other night, Brett's a pretty good friend of mine. And you know, it's, I texted him before when he made the roster and I just had a feeling, I just, I don't know. I had a feeling that this series, like everyone, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the number one guy on the team or the last guy on the team, like someone, he was going to do something, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be a diving play to save a game or throw a guy out of home or what. So happened to be, it's a walk-off single to tie the game and that error. Are you freaking out? I mean, like, have, have you morphed into like the race, the, the little Christian you know, I tra- race? Right yeah, now? yeah. You know, I, I, just playing for so many years now, like it's a you have friends all yeah. over and you understand the business. So I don't think I'm truly like a fan of any team. I'm a Red Sox fan now, obviously, but I think that watching the games, it's just cool to see. I, I root for my buddies. Well, that's obviously the same. I know more. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, so I grew up in the Boston area and people say, Oh, well, you know, do you root for the Red Sox? I'm like, no, nah. you know, like I root for time of game. I root mm-hmm. for good stories and I root for good people. Like that's, yeah. That's what that's what I yeah. that's that's what I root Absolutely. for. Absolutely. 
So yeah, I think um, that's the best way to go about it. I'm the same way, you know, like Mike Brasso. Mike Brasso, I played with him in the minor leagues. He's got a great story, undrafted free agent, hit his way to the big leagues, literally, guy guy rakes. And, you know, when he got called up, I remember hearing that he was getting called up, and I just remember my heart didn't stop racing because I was so excited for him, you know. And this was a guy that literally grinded his way through the minor leagues. And then, I mean, I still remember the home, the home run he hit a couple of weeks ago in Chapman. You know, they go ahead homer in game – five or seven or game five, I was sitting there and I'm just like freaking out for him, just going, dude, this is unbelievable. You know, and it's just, and I, that's, and like you said, I, that's what I root for. I root for my buddies. I root for, yeah. I root for the underdogs. You, you have know, the Brett so. Phillips and Mike Brasso poster on your wall now. That's uh, right. Now I got <laughs> Philly and, 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 and Frenchie on my wall. Yeah. There you go. Last yeah. thing and maybe most important thing mm-hmm. is that you were telling me that you have uh, jumped on the bandwagon like all Tampa Bay fans, they're jumping on the bandwagon. You yes, bought this, sir. much like a uh, fellow podcaster, Steve Pierce, World mm-hmm. Series MVP. He also bought season tickets when he found out Brady. Now he's a Patriots fan who is following yep. Brady. Um, you have been a lifelong Bucks fan. And now yes. Brady comes there, Kronks comes there. You buy season tickets this year. And yep. and uh, you mortgage the house or whatever you have to do, but yep. like, like everybody else, you're you're yep. all in. And now, as we sit here, you're feeling really, really good about yourself. That's right. Shoot, it was a good investment. You know, we got to get rid of the couches in the living room. Got rid of my bed. <laughs> um, so we're sitting on plastic chairs in the living room, watching on a 14-inch monitor. But hey, we're watching the games. You know, we're watching TB12 and the greatness of TB12 and Gronk. So. No, it's just it was it was so exciting, you know. As a as a Tampa fan, I think that's. I mean, now granted, anytime Tom Brady goes to any market, I think it's pretty easy to say that he's going to be end up being one of the most iconic and and memorable players to play in that specific area. Um, but I mean, in Tampa, in my recent memory, I can't remember the last time we had. I'm just I just I can't remember the last time we had a. a, a a person of this caliber and this oh, you know, nobody. A, a resume and there's no one, you know, it's, he's literally, he's the goat. He's I the have greatest, to you warn know. you though. And mm. in full disclosure. So yeah. um, I appreciate what Tom Brady did in new England. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be that guy who like, as a lot of people in the Boston sports market, once they leave, everyone likes say good riddance, get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I think that if you poll people right now, they're happy for Tom Brady. Yeah. I did write a column the other day saying, sorry, I can't be happy for Tom Brady. And it's how I feel. And here's the thing, mm-hmm. Christian. Here's my, yeah. It's my own issue, right? I know I shouldn't mm-hmm. feel this way. But the whole the COVID thing, the, the TB12 stuff, like this is basically like it was like his first press, one of his first press conferences was literally like a TB12 commercial because we had mm-hmm. heard it for – five years we had heard that exact yeah. same commercial yeah i understand why like you are not agree- gonna going to agree with me all i'm going to say is that like I'm, i because when i say when i'm nodding my head say good for you good for you i want mm-hmm. full disclosure that i uh i right now i feel this way but at the same time i am happy for it i'm mm-hmm. happy for you and your friends and for the long-suffering tampa bay buccaneers fans whose claim to fame okay, yes, you won a Super Bowl, but I look at it as you had the best chicken wings uh, in, in the history of chicken wings at Leroy Selman's. 
Okay. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Leroy, I, you know, you know your stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, now they, so Leroy Selman played for the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Excellent yes, player on terrible yep. teams. And mm-hmm. then he went on to own a chain of restaurants and Delicious. Fort Myers. It was, I've never had chicken wings like that. They mm-hmm. sold the franchise or they changed the name, but they have the same. Yeah, they did. They have the same yep. chicken wings. Yes, they do. That's, that's how I view the Tampa Bay franchise. As a Leroy, as Leroy Selman. Yes. Thank you, Leroy Selman, for the chicken wings. I don't care about Tom Brady. Hey, listen. <laughs> I remember, I remember, I, I, like I said, born and raised a Bucks fan, you know, and when we won the Super Bowl, it was one of the coolest things ever. And I remember the, the defense that we had and Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Shelton Quarles and Rondé Barber, Warwick Dunn, Mike Allstott. I remember all these guys. Like, these were, these were the guys. But, you know, and it, and it just – it was a it was a rough couple of years, you know, and it, it's uh, – you know, after I heard when I heard TV twelve announced, I was like, "What?" I didn't think I didn't think we were gonna pull it off. So you know what? And the thing is, is that you know, like in everyone around here, oh look, he went, he did four, he forget how many downs. Oh look, yeah, you know, falling <laughs> off the cliff, and then next thing you know, oh, yeah. boom, boom, back to back. I'm guessing he's oh, yeah. player of the week. There you go. He's probably he's, he's good, man. Like he's good. You knew Gronk was gonna get better, and mm. you know what? Well, however you think about Antonio Brown, like he jumped in and he's going to play great. So, no, for sure. I think it was a situation. I think it was a situation where for Gronk, especially you take a year off, you come back from, you know, come back from retirement. And I think yep, you smother yourself people, with CBD oil. Yes. Yeah. You know, you way. get, you get shredded, you lose 40 pounds and you look like, you know, a freaking, you look like a freaking swimsuit model. You come back to playing football where you got to be bulkier and stuff. But I think the thing for him was like, too, is a lot of people forgot, like, hey, like, there was no preseason. So technically, the first four games of the season are their preseason, I guess you could say. Let's say, let's call it two to be fair. But, uh, you know, I, watching Gronk play the last couple of weeks has been encouraging. You can definitely see that chemistry coming back from, from, uh, from their New England days, which was awesome. But uh, the Antonio Brown, the you know, Antonio Brown signing, man, me and my boys were all, diehard Bucks fans, you know, we're, we're kind of torn on it, you know, cause we're, we love Mike Evans. He's a homegrown guy. We love Chris Godwin. He's another one. We love Scotty Miller. He's like, he's like TB 12's typical Edelman, slot Welker. He's yep. Edelman, Welker, you know, all those Amendola, even that, you know, he's like your typical guy that he's going to, he's going to run your slots and stuff. And he's another guy's undervalued. And then this Tyler Johnson guys scored three weeks in a row. So to me, I'm going, I'm going I'm, – I'm like, Antonio Brown, I mean, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame talented player. Um, but I'm sitting there going, you know, he must have had some sort of impression on Tom when he was in New England because – Yeah, he lived at his house. In, yeah. See, he I lived, didn't know that. Yeah, he lived at his house. Really? And then okay. he, then Tom Brady um, had Tony Robbins hypnotize him and all as well. But I want you to keep this in mind. The mm-hmm. Patriots were ten and one last year, and Antonio yes. Brown was on the team for a year or for a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Josh Gordon was on the team for a little while. That's right. Yeah, everything was great. It's a long yeah. season. Don't, oh, I know. Don't let Antonio Brown derail your season, Christian. No, I know. do that to you. I know. You know, and the thing is, is it just stinks because I it, listen. He's won me a lot of fantasy football games, so uh, you know I have that I have that soft spot in my heart for AB. But, uh, you know, it was almost sad wow. to see him kind of doing what he was doing. But I'm, I'm glad that he's, you know, I'm glad he's back on the right path. I hope he comes to Tampa and he's, 
keeps keeps doing what he's doing and we keep this thing rolling so you're smart my son texted me yesterday he said he started i said who do you start at quarterback he said cam newton i said i thought you i raised you better than that i'm like what are you doing like in fairness he doesn't know what he's doing um but but christian hey it was great talking with you yes sir Um, and and hopefully and hopefully uh face to face fort myers you know if we have to wear masks and or whatever I'll wear three masks. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, get All right, Rob. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Christian. I'm going to take it easy. Okay. Yep.